Uh, well, if you take your copy of God's Word and turn to uh, the book of Colossians chapter uh, 1, Colossians chapter 1, uh, we're going to kind of continue the, the same idea, what we kind of spoke about in, in the morning service, just from a li- little bit different uh, angle. Uh, just a quick, quick announcement, we will be having our, our Wednesday night supper on June 11th, uh, so there's a sign-up sheet right there in, in the back hallway, make sure you sign up for that. Um, looking forward to breaking bread uh, together. Um, uh, any other announcements am I forgetting? You can't see inside my head, but if there was one, you would tell me. So uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15. I'm going to read 15 uh, to verse 20, and then I'm going to jump to chapter 2, and I'll pray, then we'll dig in uh, to God's word this evening. Colossians 1, 15. Uh, He is the image, speaking of Jesus, of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of of his cross. Then Colossians 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 6 and following. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elementary spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and on the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This is set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I pray for tonight. I pray that you would help sharpen our minds and our hearts, God. God, we do want to strive for the narrow door. God, it says that wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many find it. God, I pray that you would protect and guard our minds and our hearts, that we would not walk the wide road, but God, that we would strive to enter through the narrow door. Uh, So dear God, I pray that you would bless our time tonight. I pray that you would sharpen my words. I pray that you would give me clarity. God, I pray that your spirit would fall, uh, that you would soften the hearts of the people, that they would receive this word as it really is, the word of God. We ask you to bless us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the things we talked about this morning uh, was, uh, was this, this idea of striving to stay on, on the narrow road. Uh, tonight we're going to kind of think about what does it mean to have a biblical worldview. And I think having a biblical worldview, thinking biblically, thinking like a Christian, will keep you on that narrow road. Um, one of the blessings of um, getting to know you guys uh, as your pastor, I, I get to know your stories and your backgrounds. Uh, and some of you guys have some very unique and interesting backgrounds. Um, for example, Betty Folsom, 
uh, worked in quality control for 26 years. So if there is something that is not right, Miss Betty can find it, right? So if there is something in terms of a system or an organization or a plan that is not working right, Miss Betty will find it. Uh, Miss Betty is one of those who specializes in those old uh, highlight magazines that you used to see at the dentist's office. The only time I would ever see them was be at the dentist's office. I'm not sure why that is. But there's always those, there's two pictures. What's different? What's wrong with picture A, that, not picture B? Miss Betty would dominate that. Well, after 26 years of quality control, she developed a worldview to find what was wrong. She knew it was wrong because she trained her mind through her work. All of us have different jobs and different experiences, and, and, and we train our minds based on our vocation. Uh, so uh, Jerry, being a fireman, he had to, to learn to think like a fireman. Now, when he wasn't a fireman in terms of his day off, was he not thinking like a fireman? No, he was always thinking like a fireman. So if he saw something, he would immediately go into his training and his background because that was who he was. He had a, a worldview of a, a fireman. So one of the things we want, we don't want to have just a worldview of our vocation. We want to have a worldview of Christ. Uh, so what is a, a worldview? Uh, a worldview is the overall perspective from which one sees and interprets the world. Uh, as Christians, as human beings, we are interpreters of facts. So we see something, and then, but what we see, we interpret how to, how to make sense of what we see. And we, how you interpret depends on your worldview, how you view the world. Another definition would be a, a collection of beliefs about life and the universe held by an individual or a group. Now, our culture has a worldview. It's a secular worldview, right? Where they try to, try to take out the idea of theology or religion or anything that is, that is exclusive. They try to take that out, and we're, we're, there's many paths in our country to God. We live in a pluralistic society, plural meaning many. There's many ways uh, to God. That's the, 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 the worldview of our culture. Now, that worldview is going to lead people to the place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said today, um, someone asked him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said, strive to enter that narrow door. That narrow door, uh, because wide is the road that lead to destruction. Our, our society says the road is wide, but there is many paths to peace. There are many paths to God. But the Bible says is that those many paths all lead to the same place, a place of destruction, the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So if you are not careful, beloved, if you do not think well, you will end up walking along that path. And not just you, maybe people you love. Maybe your children and your grandchildren. Now, you were raised, many of you, in a different time where Christianity was part of the culture. And in a lot of many, that was a great thing. People were, were a lot kinder. Morals, values were higher. Well, we have a moral reversal in our culture. The things that used to be accepted are now condemned. But not only are they, you, the things that used to be accepted are now condemned, if you hold what used to be accepted, you are now condemned. That's the way, the, way, the way of our world. That is the environment when you're, with your children and your grandchildren are being raised in. So it is your job 
as parents and grandparents to give your kids the undergirding of a Christian worldview. So we're going to look at that tonight. So why uh, does it matter? Um, First, I would say this. It matters because there's a very real adversary. A Christian worldview matters because there is a very real adversary. There is a deceptive devil. 1 Peter chapter 5, 6-11. through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time you may, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Then it says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Think well. Understand your environment. Be watchful. Be sober-minded. Why? Why we should be careful what we think and how we view the world. Why? Because your adversary. Stop there for a second. You have an adversary. You have someone who wants to destroy your soul. You have an adversary that wants to destroy everything you hold dear. That is a very real adversary. And if you are a smart adversary, you don't make yourself known. When I was growing up, my, my, my family had hardwood floors right, in our house. I love those hardwood floors. Well, one day we, had a, um, we, we discovered that the boards one morning were all warped. Right? All the things were coming up. And we're like, how did this happen? Well, how did it happen was behind the refrigerator, there was a little drip. Drip, 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 drip. And that drip eventually worked its way under the whole entire floor. And before you know it, it warped one day. We didn't see it coming. See, that's what the devil does. That's what the devil does with the secular worldview in our society. Drip, drip, a song here, drip, a TV show here, drop, drip. Uh, The the magazines that are on the, the aisle at the grocery store, drip. They're presenting a worldview, a worldview, a worldview, again and again. And if you're not careful, you may be fine. But what about those who are coming after you? It is your job, it is your responsibility to pass on the truths of the Lord to the next generation. You have to help them see the drips. Why? Because you have a very real adversary. And what does it say about this adversary? He, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour The picture is of this vicious lion hiding in the woods. You can imagine a a deer, a gazelle, walking, minding his business, not even knowing anything's wrong. And before he knows it, he is being tackled. He is being devoured. See, that's what the devil does. The devil just doesn't, you know, when when there's an opportune time, he seeks it out. He's creeping. He's creeping, and then he pounces. And he may be pouncing through things that you don't think are very bad. There's many influences in our culture. Even preachers. Bad preachers. I'm not a bad preacher. Thank you, Wade. Thank you, Wade. (laughs) Beloved. But I'm not a bad preacher, not because of my content. I'm not a bad preacher because of what I preach. I preach the Bible, right? And because I preach the Bible that you know, I may not do it well, I'm trying to grow in how well I do it, but I'm preaching the right content. And there's many preachers who are feeling pulpited who aren't teaching the right content because they're not teaching the Word of God. Drip, drip, drip. The devil seeks someone to devour. But not only do we have a deceptive devil, we also have a deceptive philosophy. It's that verse I read in Colossians 2, 
It says, just as you receive Christ Jesus, you are to walk in him. You're to be built up, to be established in the faith. Isn't that what we all want? We want to be a, a big, giant oak tree. Um, that we are, we are strong, we have deep roots, so when the wave come, when we have Hailmageddon storming down, the tree's not going to buckle. Why? Because you're deeply rooted in the gospel, deeply rooted in doctrine. You are rooted and grounded. It's a beautiful picture. The reason why we want to do that, verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. This is what happened to a young Adoniram Judson uh, when he went off to Brown University. He was lured away from the faith by Jacob Eames. Jacob Eames told him with wisdom, with, with eloquence, how you should reject God. And Adoniram Judson, growing up in a Christian home, was lured. He was what? He was taken captive. We, we see that imagery of being captured. Uh, you can imagine... Um, that happened. That used to happen often during the slave trade. Um, you know, the East uh, India cr- Trading Company, they would sneak into villages where a father would be with his children before he would out, be out hunting, he'd be captured and he'd be taken and sold into slavery never to see his family ever again. Now, that would happen in, in Nigeria when those young girls were captured. We don't want to be captured. See, the hard thing for us in our day is that sometimes it's hard to understand how we're being captured by philosophy. Or we're being captured by by philosophy because we don't know what the Bible says. We don't have a biblical world view. We must fight for one. Also, we we see that there is um, deceptive desires. Worldview matter because there is deceptive desires. Listen to James chapter 1, verses 13 through 18. It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life for those for which God has promised to those who love him. So it's this, this, this picture is that when you go through a trial, now raise your hand if you've ever gone through a trial. Everybody raise your hand. We've all gone through trials. And God says how you handle that trial, how you handle that suffering will be a picture if you truly believe the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to stand strong during that trial. So if you do not have a biblical worldview when it comes to suffering, look what happens. Listen to what he says. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. He himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. We're all going to face trials. We're all going to face that that day. And in that day, if you do not understand the sovereign grace of God, when you are struggling with something deep and real, what are you going to do? God, why did you allow this to happen to me? You can't be good. You can't love me because you are not undergirded in a Christian worldview. But if you understand that God is good, that God uses trials in your life to, to sanctify you, to purify you, to, to refine you in the fire so he can present you mature before his glory. If you understand the purpose of suffering, when you suffer, you're not going to be undone because you know God's good. And you know that the grace of God is what? Sufficient to carry you through that. There's a philosophy that thinks that if bad things happen to me, God doesn't love me. That is a philosophy that's sometimes taught in the church. I was listening to a, um, a radio show today, and it talked about how do you deal with chronic pain. 
And one of the questions that the person asked very really is, is, is um, I used to think that God didn't love me because I was in pain. Is, did I do something wrong? Is, is God punishing me for my sin? Well, the sin of my parents even. We, we experience sin in this world because of the fall. Our first parents. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, who fell in the garden, who fell from that innocence, that perfect obedience in God. We live in a world that is crying out to be redeemed. So we have to deal with the effects. We have to deal with our bodies failing. We have to deal with the death. And if you don't understand the Christian view of death and the Christian view of suffering, when you face it, you will suffer. And it could lead you away from that narrow road, but to the wide road of destruction. But it also is the danger of the deceptive drudge, a real reason. 2 Timothy 2, it says, Flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with all those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Can we just have an amen to that? (laughs) Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, but the Lord's servant who should be all of us, right? We should all be the Lord's servant. Does what? Is not must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Do you see that? Patiently enduring evil. You know what I used to always hear um, from my girls uh, back at the group home? You got to give respect in order to get respect. Well, no. (laughs) You, um, as a Christian, you give respect because the people who are sitting across from you are made in the image of God. And because we have a biblical worldview, that person, no matter how they treat me, have dignity. And I need to treat them with gentleness, patiently enduring evil. Why? Scripture says, perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. So when people oppose us, when people we feel people are against us, how we treat them may lead them to God. Isn't God's kindness that leads us to, repent, leads us to repentance? So if you don't understand how you treat people who mistreat you, you may walk the wide road of destruction, not the narrow door. Because Jesus says, if you do not forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. That is the Bible. That is a Christian worldview. Now, is forgiveness hard? Yes. Is is it difficult to sometimes forgive people who who hurt you? Yes. Do we have feelings who are real and we're emotional and we don't like to be be hurt? No. One of the greatest challenges in the Christian life is that not to respond sinfully when we are treated sinfully. But we want people to come to repentance. And it says this, those people who are opponents who are against us, they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, the adversary, after being captured by him to do his will. There are some people in our world who are captured by the evil one to do his will, and some people who are captured by the evil one to do evil against you. Because sometimes the devil seeks to destroy you through other people. In a fallen world, that's what happens. So when that happens to you, when people malign your character, when people attack you viciously, gossip about you, how do you handle that? I'm going to get back at them. No, you don't. 
Christian worldview says God is the avenger. I'm going to leave vengeance unto the Lord. It's a Christian worldview. You see how all of this makes us believe in the gospel. Jesus is my Lord, and if Jesus is my Lord, I renounce the whole privilege of disagreeing with him. Jesus says, forgive, I forgive. Jesus says, be patiently enduring evil, I patiently endure evil. Why? Because Jesus is the Lord of the universe. He is the only Lord, the only sovereign. But we also see why worldview matters because we have a very real authority, a very real authority. So we have a real adversary and a real authority. Um, That passage I read from Colossians is so important because it says that all truth is God's truth. It says that all things, all things were created, things above, things below, things seen, things unseen, invisible, visible, thrones and dominions, all things were created by Jesus Christ and for him. This is where we get that idea is what is the chief end of man? To to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Why is it to glorify God? Because everything was made for Jesus Christ. That's what the scriptures teach. Then it says this, the very next verse, chapter, verse 18 of chapter 1 of Colossians, and he, I'm sorry, verse 17, he is before all things, and in him, in Christ, all things are held together. It says in Hebrews chapter 1 that the whole world is head to, held together by the word of his power. If the Lord wanted you to stop breathing right now, he would, let, he would make you stop breathing. If the Lord wanted to change your circumstances, he would change your circumstances. Why? Because he's God. And God does what God does. And nobody can stop what God wants to do. Why? Because he's the sovereign, powerful creator of the universe. Do not let this world think that God is small, puny, and weak. Our God is not small, puny, and weak. He is a roaring lion. Our lion, the lion of Judah, will destroy the devil. He's not a real lion. He's a false lion. And one day he's going to bring many to him. Why? Because he's going to show himself as an angel of light. And God is going to come and judge him and throw him to the lake of fire. So we have to be careful not to follow him. All truth is God's truth. All truth is God's son, fully displayed. We know that great verse from uh, John fourteen six. You hear I say it a lot at funerals. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. When you think about truth, it's, it's true facts. He is the truth. So if you want to know what is true in the world, you have to get to know Jesus. You can't interpret the world, right? You can't be good interpreters of God's world unless you know Jesus Christ. Because all things were created for him and by him. He's the center. He displays the truth of this world. But the Christian worldview also matters because God has commanded us to love him. How? With our minds. What is the greatest commandment? Matthew 22. We should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. We have to think about these things. One of my favorite verses, the one I pray often for, for you, Saturday night, Sunday morning, is Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Uh, Paul writes this to the church. He says, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more, so that you may love each other more and more. I pray that for you all the time. I pray that we as a church would love each other more and more with knowledge and discernment so that we may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, 
filled with the fruits of righteousness that come through Jesus Christ our Lord. That, that, that takes some thinking. What that means is that we need to think like a Christian more and more. The true knowledge of the Scripture helps us love one another better. So if we just come to church and we have knowledge and we get knowledge and we get knowledge, but you don't love people, you don't have a good knowledge. You have a knowledge that puffs up. Wisdom builds up. Well, very, very briefly, how do we develop this Christian worldview? I'm saying it's important. I'm trying to make the, make the appeal that we should think well, right? That we should, we should really guard what goes into our minds, what goes into our heads. So how do we develop this Christian worldview? Uh, first, we need, to, we need to get in the Word. This, we need to know this book. Um, and let's just be honest. Sometimes this book can be pretty intimidating, can't it? <laughs> you know, there is, there's a lot in here, 66 uh, chapters, and we have people's names I can't pronounce. There's places I can't pronounce, and there's things I don't understand. Um, you know, and sometimes when we are so intimidated by something, we just don't do it because we don't know how to do it. Um, so you know what we're doing here as a church? You may not even realize this, but we are trying to build a foundation for our young people by helping them understand the basics of the Bible. Uh, so what we're doing on, on Sunday morning is we're helping teach the kids the, the books of the Bible. What is the order of the scriptures? Just who are, who are people? Who is Moses? Who is Joshua? Who, just, just the foundation, the basic grammar level facts, right? They're just the things that everything else is built upon. Um, because if they don't understand that, they can't get to a higher level. So we're just going, going on the basics. Uh, there's people I, I, I meet with, and I say, okay, I want, I want to show you something. Can you turn to the book of Hebrews? If you've been a Christian for a long time, you know what they do? One second. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that they, I'm not trying to scold them for that. They don't know where it is because they haven't been taught that. And one of the reasons why is because we look at the Bible and it's so overwhelming. But it's, it's really not. Bit by bit. Just understand the basics. So what I did, I said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write all 27 books on the New Testament on note cards. And I just want you to mess them all up and put them in order. But that sounds like a, what, a, what you do with a child. Yeah. Because in your knowledge of the scriptures, you are like a child. So grow to be a man. This is what I gave Trent. You, you, we have this idea of growth. There's, there's, there's physical growth, but then there's spiritual growth. And we need to dig in the scriptures. So if you need help with that, see me. Talk to me. But not only do we understand the basics, we have to get to see the, the forest, but we also have to see the trees. We have to study individual books. Meditate on the scriptures. Memorize it. Now, some of you say, there's no way I can memorize the scripture. I'm, I'm too old, and you know, I might be able to, to pull it all together. Try to memorize one verse. You guys can memorize some things. The most fruitful thing that has ever happened to me in my Christian walk is memorizing God's word. It has, given, has helped me more having a Christian worldview than anything else. Because if you say a word, my brain has all these scriptures in there that my, my, hot, my head goes right to those words. That, that started when I was in, 20 years old. I quoted a verse of scripture this week at a conference that I haven't quoted in five years. Why am I able to do that? It's buried in there. You have knowledge buried in there from your childhood. So let's say you say, well, maybe I can't do a whole lot of memorization. But you know who you can help memorize? your grandkids, your great-grandkids, imagine the blessing. Just think about this. You teach your kids to memorize the Scripture. You teach your grandkids to memorize Scripture. 
60 years down the road. You're long gone. You're in glory. You're with Jesus in his presence for all eternity, experiencing the pleasures that God has promised for those who, who love him. And they're down here, and someone asks them a question. And from the deep recesses of their mind, they pull up, can I tell you what my mama taught me? We dig into the word. We also uh, read good books. If you want to have a Christian worldview, read books. Just read a good Christian book. You know, there's nothing like good literature that can help you really understand how the world works. There's a, there's a, there's a power in story. Um, but lastly, I would just say this. Engage in good biblical conversation. Talk about life. Talk about how things, what, what worldview things portray. Uh, a great book I, I have, I forget the name of it. I was looking for it to show you on my shelf. Um, but it's this idea that takes things and just tries to show the worldview of, uh, of a certain area. So go through your grocery line, you know, whether you go to Aldi, which my wife and children see everybody at Aldi, right? I think Park Baptist Church is a strong supporter of Aldi. Uh, when you go through the grocery line, I want you to say, what do the magazines portray? What is the worldview of that grocery line? What is it trying to say? It's trying to say, get fit, because if you want to be, you know, happy, you need to lose weight. Oh, by the way, don't forget to have a Snickers bar to satisfy your hunger, right? Oh, and by the way, make sure that you have the perfect bikini, bo- bikini body for the summer. Oh, and, and by the way, can I tell you who, what's really important? The celebrity just had another affair. Oh, oh, by the way, make sure you don't have bad breath, right? Because there's the, there's the gum and the mints there. You know, everything that is being pushed right there at the last minute, so you have those last-minute purchases. Make sure you get your cigarettes before you leave, you know, right there, right in front of your eyes. So they're pushing a worldview. And what we have to do as Christians is we have to think better. We have to think better. Why? Because we don't want to go the wide road. We want to go the narrow road. We want to strive for the narrow road. And like I said this morning, you want to bring people from the east and the west, the north and the south, as many people as you can to that narrow road. And how are you going to confront them unless you know the, the, how the world works? I'm reading a book right now about worldview, and it says this. It says, after the, the Vietnam War, Christians wanted to change our culture. So you know what they did? They marched on Washington. Liberals, um, not, this, not in a bad sense, but those who may be against the traditional teachings of the Scripture, those who wanted to change the, the, the culture of America, you know what they marched on? The English departments. So why are our universities full of uh, anti-Christ theology? Because they've been seeped in it for 30, 40 years. And yet, what does our culture say? Our whole education system says, make sure you can graduate high school so you can go to college and be exposed to this incredible worldview that is against the Lord and you can have a good job and function in society. That is not what God has created us for. What has God created us for? To know him and to make him known. Let's strive for the narrow door, shall we? Let's pray. Uh, Father, uh, I thank you for uh, your word. God, I pray for the people I love. I pray that you would help us, God, um, not follow the ways of the world. God, protect us from the wide road that leads to destruction. And God, I pray for your people that you would make our love abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight so that we may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruits of righteousness that come through Jesus Christ our Lord.
We ask this in the name of our crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.